Hey there, and welcome back to Mrs. Janeski's AP Government Podcast. In this episode, we are going to look in depth at another of your foundational documents for the AP Government exam, a bit of a fail, the Articles of Confederation. So if you're ready to learn about the United States' first attempt at government, buckle up. Here we go. So what are the Articles of Confederation? The Articles of Confederation are the first, as I said, government of the United States. Some historians argue about whether it should be called a constitution or a treaty of friendship, but that's not going to be important for our purposes. Once the United States had declared independence from Britain, that leaves the United States without a government. So the Articles were put in place to solve that problem. Before we get to the main parts of the Articles, it'll be important for you to understand the word confederation, what it means. It is basically an association of independent states, several powers uniting to form a central power. Article 3 described the confederation as a firm league of friendship of states for their common defense, the security of their liberties, and their mutual and general welfare. In the very first days of the United States, the 13 different states formed this confederacy, And it's important to understand that the Articles of Confederation placed almost all the power in the hands of the states at the expense of the federal government. Under the Articles of Confederation, states couldn't be forced to cooperate when major issues faced the nation, like taxation, national defense. And you can see potential problems right away. Under the Articles, states argued obviously, amongst themselves, and there was no way to resolve it, they could refuse to provide financial support to the national government. And the national government was powerless to force the states to cooperate with taxation or with military support. If you guys have any experience playing sports, this analogy might actually help illustrate the problem. What if every time you played against a different team, they could change the rules? Well, if you don't have an agreement that there'll be some kind of an official to make calls during the game and keep everybody in check, that's chaos, right? It is very clear just where the power lies in Article 2 of the Articles of Confederation. Probably the most important sentence in the whole document. It states, each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence, and every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation expressly delegated to the United States in Congress assembled. This is their way of saying, don't get confused, the states are supreme. And unless it's explicitly delegated any power to the federal Congress, all that power not delegated remains with the states. Once you get to Article 5, You can see the plans for the federal government, how this was supposed to come together. First of all, the articles establish a single branch of the federal government. Not a president, a legislative branch. So there is no president set up and no federal court set up under the Articles of Confederation. It also states in Article 5, in determining questions in the United States and Congress assembled, each state shall have one vote. So representation in Congress is equal among all of the states. Initially, that 
Sounds pretty fair. But think about it. A small state like Rhode Island would have exactly the same amount of power as a larger state like Virginia. So why are early Americans so concerned about granting a central government too much power? Keep in mind, after breaking away from British rule, the main fear was another tyrant like King George III. Too much power in central government could end up overtaking the authority of the states. So why did they form one at all? They did need a centralized government. On some level, they knew that they had to have a centralized government in order to do things like business with other nations. You can see that in Article 6. No state without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled shall send any embassy to or receive any embassy from or enter into any conference agreement, alliance, or treaty with any king or prince or state. Article 6 then goes on to say and restrict the power of the central government more by establishing that it cannot raise a national army. So where are we going to get an army from to protect us? You guessed it. The states. The states are asked to support a militia, keep it regulated. But states could refuse. So there's no way to form a standing army. The Confederation relied on the voluntary efforts of states to do things like send tax money or forming a militia. And this is going to cause problems because they lack funds, so they can't pay for things. There's different currencies going around, and they can't maintain an effective military. It doesn't work. Article 9 goes on to explain what powers Congress actually does have, which isn't much. Congress will be the final arbiter in disputes between states and fixing standard weights and measures and appointing committees to do its work. At the very end of Article 9, it essentially goes on to say Congress can't do anything important that would need to be done, like declaring war, unless 9 out of the 13 states agree. 9 out of 13 is more than a majority. It's considered to be a supermajority. And that's even more difficult to get than a majority. So the power of Congress is severely limited by this provision. The Articles of Confederation go on and make things even more difficult when it comes to changing or amending the Articles of Confederation. In Article 13, it states, Nor shall any alteration at any time hereafter be made in any of them, unless such alteration be agreed to in the Congress of the United States and be afterwards confirmed by the legislatures of every state. Okay, so what they're saying is if the articles are to be amended, changed, that requires the agreement of every state, 13 out of 13. So if it's hard to get a supermajority to get things done, imagine how hard it's going to be to achieve a unanimous decision when it comes to making changes to the articles. This is not efficient at all. And then there'll be an event which I usually refer to as the last straw, and that's Shays Rebellion. Shays Rebellion is a tax protest by Western Massachusetts farmers led by a man named Daniel Shays. And they wanted tax relief and they were not being given to it. So they formed this protest and it escalated. This is in 1786-87. What this rebellion did 
is it exposed the fact that the central government set up under the Articles of Confederation couldn't put down internal rebellion. It had to rely on a state militia, eventually sponsored by private Boston business people to eventually put down Shays' Rebellion. With no money, the central government can't act to protect the Perpetual Union, nor does it have any troops. These events alarm founders like George Washington, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, to the point where delegates from five states end up meeting at Annapolis, Maryland in September of 1786 to discuss changing the Articles of Confederation. And believe it or not, there were actually a few things articles are looked at as having done right. It did successfully avoid to have a tyrannical central government by giving it no power, but also it established the Land Ordinance of 1785 and Northwest Ordinance, and these created territorial government and set up protocols for the admission of new states into the country and the division of land into useful units. And it set aside land in each township for public use. But the flaws when you talk about the Articles of Confederation far outweigh anything remotely that came out of this that worked. Not much. Eventually, in 1787, delegates will meet at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia and Ultimately, they're going to have to draft a whole new constitution. So that sums up what you need to know about the Articles of Confederation for the AP government exam. you got to remember that this is the first government in the United States, that a confederation is a group of states coming together to form a central power, that the Articles of Confederation extremely limit central government and give all the power to the states, which rendered it ineffective at governing these growing American states. Every state wanted to maintain their sovereignty, and the Articles provided that. There was a unicameral legislature, and every state got one vote. There's no president set up, no judiciary. Taxation and raising an army could not be forced by the central government under the Articles Confederation. So check out my next episode on foundational documents where I will be going over the ratification of the Constitution, political rivals, and a look at the conflict between the northern and southern states that is headed towards nowhere good. Nobody ever said democracy was going to be easy. Until then, keep up the good work, and thanks so much for listening.